Hey folks, it's MJ. And in this episode of Growing Up, I speak with entrepreneur and creative writer, Siobhan L. Morris, about never really fitting in. And like most entrepreneurs I know, this is pretty normal. But Siobhan has self-published her own erotica called Gemini Moon Rising, A Tale of Two Spirits, which is on Amazon.com. And she is the owner-operator of the Creative Ink Pen, housed right here in North New Jersey at Equal Space. So check out our conversation about connecting with other entrepreneurs, throwing shade, and why neither one of us are really in a small talk. Check it out. And today we're growing up with Siobhan L. Morris. Hey, hey, hey. She is the owner, operator, and creative coach of Creative Inkpen. Mm-hmm. She's also a published author. Round of applause. Uh, her book entitled Gemini Moon Rising, A Tale of Two Spirits. You can check it out on Amazon.com. How are you? I'm pretty damn good. That is good to hear. It's a Friday over here, so when you're listening to this, hopefully you're listening to it on a Friday. Friday. <laughs> so I'm just going to jump in. So Siobhan, talk to me. What are you doing? What's going on in life? So right now I am actually at the back, no, not back end, at the tail end of book two from the Gemini Moon Rising series. Mm. As of right now, it is a three-part series as of right now. There might be a book four. I don't know yet, but there's definitely book two and three okay so i'm at the tail end of book two book two is titled spirits emerge and it's set to have a summer pub so you can have your summer read okay um and that's that uh oh just a little background uh gemini moon rising a tale of two spirits is an erotic romance novel right and which i've read by the way yes and talking about all the dicks (laughs) i'm sorry oh did i say that I love it. Continue, though. I'm sorry. (laughs) Amazing. I love it. So it's about two women who simultaneously go on this journey Mm -hmm. of self-love, self-development. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a cross between being Mary Jane, a girlfriend, scandal, how to get away with murder. So it's really talking about the experience of the woman, the professional woman, and the trials and tribulations that she goes through to really find her inner self. And the two women go on this journey simultaneously. They don't know each other. And then, um, small spoiler, at the end of the book, their lives cross paths. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. I'm not going to lie. I didn't get up to the end of the book, but I just, <laughs> I think I just stopped at the, 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 the dick parts. And I was just like, <laughs> I got a little... Because keep in mind, this is an erotica. I don't know, because people are probably like, why is she keep throwing out the D word? <laughs> <laughs> so Siobhan writes erotica. So it's not just any book; it's erotica. Mm-hmm. Put that in your knapsack and 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 love it. Um, so <laughs> so that's the book piece. Tell what is a creative coach, and what do you do with creative inkpen? So creative coach is something that I titled myself. Sometimes you just got to title yourself instead of waiting for other people right. to title you. So I titled myself a creative own coach. It. Own it. You have to own, own it. it. <laughs> own it. So I titled myself a creative coach because I work with other aspiring aspiring writers and other entrepreneurs who have either writing endeavors or they have project endeavors and they need someone to literally help them brainstorm it out. Right. Brainstorm it out, create deliverables, create a task, mm-hmm. or even just guide them through the process. So 
with me being a creative coach, that's pretty much what I do. I've been doing it for years. I just decided to call myself creative coach. Mm-hmm. People always email me, text me, hey, I have this idea. What do you think about this? What are your thoughts? I don't know how to get to this point from point A to point B. So that's literally what I do. I help you get from point A to point B and help you figure out C, D, E, and F. Right. In the process. Right. And I've actually worked with Siobhan on developing my brand narrative yeah. and her her stuff's really dope. So if if you can Google her, find her. What's your what's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is V V E E Edits Right. Like writing your name. So V Edits Right. Please holler at her because you probably need her in your life if you're a creative entrepreneur and you got all these ideas in your head and you're just like, I don't know how to organize them. Mm-hmm. So speaking of <clears throat> connecting the dots, going from A, B, C, D, now we've talked about this, but you've traveled a lot, right? Like you grew up traveling, right? I did. I, well, I traveled domestically. Mm-hmm. I guess I can say I traveled internationally, but Canada and Mexico to me doesn't count, even though it's considered international. It's still North America, so I haven't traveled outside of North America. I know I'm one of the 1% of people that have never traveled outside That's of the country. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I'm part of that 1%. <laughs> don't, don't, don't believe the hype. <laughs> part of that one. But um, I am a military brat. So I'm originally from Norfolk, Virginia. And um, my mom and my dad met each other down there. My father was stationed down there. He's a Marine. So I'm a Marine brat. So aside from being a military brat, I'm a Marine brat, which is a totally... It's a special type of brat? It is. It's like, it's it's a different type of... It's, it's just different. Je ne sais quoi. It's, it's just different. I don't, I don't know much about that, but I'm going to take your word for yeah, it. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> Army brats and Marine brats and Navy brats. We're, we're totally different. Okay. It's a different species of people. We're okay. different. Um, so when they started stationing my father around the country, we moved from Norfolk to Buffalo, Virginia, and then to San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. And often, um, we never flew. So how the military works is when they station you in a different um, location, they come into your house, they pack your shit up, put it in the U-Haul, UPS, whatever, and then they travel you down, and your stuff is there. And then they unpack you, and your stuff is already there once you get there. So how old are you when this is happening? I'm like two, three. I mean, because that's abrasive for a grown-ass woman. (laughs) I've traveled, and I'm just like, oh. I'm like two or three. So like when we moved from Norfolk, after right. my, we stayed there, my parents got married. And then when we moved from Norfolk, that was maybe like three or four when we moved to Buffalo. So I'm like three traveling to Buffalo cross country in the car. Right, right. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'm like three or four and we traveled up from Virginia to Buffalo. And then, um, and then, um, we, um, if you hear the crinkles in the back, that's our good friend, <laughs> Medina Equal Hi, City, which, who, who we'll talk to one of these days, and we'll make sure we'll have plenty of background noise, just, just for the amusement. Hello, ladies. Uh, hi, Medina. Hello, listeners. <laughs> but continue. So um, then we moved to Buffalo, and then um, from Buffalo, we drove from cross-country from Buffalo to San Diego, California. And I think I was maybe about five when we did that. I was five, getting ready to turn six. And then um, my mother was doing whatever, whatever my parents were doing. They didn't, they couldn't work it out. And my mom packed me up and bought a one-way ticket to Patterson, New Jersey. I thought we was just here for the summer. Unfortunately, we weren't because she enrolled me in school like three months later. So maybe that wasn't a summer vacation. It was, it was permanent. 29-year vacation. 29-year vacation. 29 <laughs> years later, 
Um, I, I've been living here in, uh, in New Jersey since. So we got a little cut off there. Sally may call me doing this on my phone. She um, boots on her day. So, so where we left off was Siobhan was kind of going into this idea that she traveled a lot. And so my, my next question is, so, I mean, again, as a young person, that's got to affect you in ways that, I mean, it affects me. I moved from Atlanta to New York, and then I moved back from New York, back down to Atlanta in, like, three months. Well, you know With what? all my shit in my car. That, that was traumatic. That was me going through stuff. Well, you know, now that I think about it, it was kind of traumatic, especially at a young age, because you established... Well, when we moved from Norfolk to Buffalo, it didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. When we moved from Buffalo to San Diego, that shit affected me. And it affected me because I had established relationships with people. And I mean, I'm like like three, between three and five. So people don't think when you establish relationships with people at that age that it makes a difference. But actually, it does. It makes a huge difference. Like, I still remember my best friend's name back from Buffalo. Her name was Jordash. Like, I still remember that. Mm-hmm. I still remember Ken, who was in my, uh, my Head Start class, kissing me in the mouth. And my father about to snap his neck. Like, I still remember those things. And that was when I was there in he Buffalo. About to snatch his edges. I get it. Yeah, he was. And, and he was, we were not of the same shade. So he was really about to... Snap his oh, neck. Oh, it was one of those. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll snap his neck back then. No, I hear you. Um, so, and then when I moved from um, San Diego here, mm-hmm. it was a huge culture shock for me. So, I, I don't know if anyone who's listening is from California. I lived in San Diego. San Diego's the valley. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you've ever seen Clueless, that's exactly how I sounded when I moved here from Jersey. So, I'm, I'm leaving the valley, and I'm coming to... Uh, urban quote unquote community. Patterson is very urban. It's wow. So you're like a beach bum. Yeah. At I, heart. Yeah. That I love the water. Word. Mm-hmm. Look at me finding out new stuff on my own goddamn podcast. <laughs> Somebody take a look at this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm a beach bum. Like I, I want to be at the beach now. Like that's where, right. That's me where. Too. That's where I want to be. Like now, but like all the time. Like some people be like, oh, I want to be at the beach. Blah blah blah. Be mm-hmm. there for like a, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. No, I want to live on the beach. No, I feel you. I, you know, for me, I tell people, somebody in heaven messed up my paperwork because mm-hmm. I should have been born to in real Caribbean. talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I should have been born in the Caribbean, <laughs> somewhere on someone's aisle. Mm-hmm. Venice Beach, wherever, mm-hmm. because deep down inside of me is like some ditzy white woman who wants to escape. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's that's pretty much how my life is. So, I mean, how did that? So, in terms of like finding new friends, fitting in, how did that kind of work for you? I never fit in, and it was it, it was interesting because um, the way where we moved to my grandparents' house. So, I lived with my grandparents until I went off to college. Which is like weird. We, my mother and I had a period of time, maybe about four or five years, where we lived on our own. And then, you know, shit happens, life takes over, and we ended up having to move back into our grandparents' house. So we went from, we went from living like in the same apartment space with my grandparents mm-hmm. to living in my grandparents' basement. So that kind of affects you as well, especially when you grew up having your own room. Mm-hmm. So you grow up having your own room, and then your mother uproots you. <laughs> right. I love my mother. I don't hate her. I just, that needs to be known because it's going to sound like I hate my mother, but I don't. Um, but when you, you're uprooted from something that you know. Right, right. And then you have to share, like me and my mother had to share a bed for years. My mother and I had to share a bed. 
And then I ended up moving into my grandparents' den, which is still really not my own room, but it was kind of like my own room. And then once my mother and I moved out into our new apartment, that's where we were. Right. Until I think we moved, yeah, four years. So at nine, we moved out of my grandparents' apartment. And then we moved into another another house with a family friend. My aunt lived downstairs, which was like the greatest time ever. Um, I used to visit her all the time. And that's when I got my affinity for tea. Because um, we, we used to have tea and pound cake all the time. So my, my oh, so you were British too. Yeah. Well, Southern. Somebody take a look at this. She's British too. <laughs> well, Southern. A, a British surf brat. <laughs> <laughs> my, my mom's side of the family, they're from South Carolina. So... You heard how she said that, South Carolina? <laughs> it's not Carolina, it's Carolina. It's Carolina. With a curl. <laughs> with, your, with your pound cake and your so tea. So she would make pound cake. So she would make pound cake and she had A little bit of sugar. Just a little bit of sugar. That you picked out from the field. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that went too far. That's hilarious. <laughs> so I would sit in the kitchen with my aunt and she had this little small old school black and white TV. Clear picture wasn't snowy, but it was black and white. And we would watch Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and drink tea and have pound cake. So that, that, that part was a part of my life until I was 13. And then we had to move back to my grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. So I spent my high school years living in my grandparents' basement. So, I mean, the, one of the biggest things for entrepreneurs to be able to do is to connect with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Like networking, it's not, you know, uh, if you like, it's, it's, it's a part of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, does your having to go back and forth and not necessarily being in one city or one place, mm-hmm. did that affect your, does it affect you now? I mean, or is that something that you kind of like buried in your, your past? You know, not until you said anything just now, it kind of makes sense why I don't like small talk. Um, I don't connect with people very quickly, and I think that's also because I had to travel a lot. So I never, it, was, it wasn't hard for me to make connections. I just never warmed up to people very quickly. Hmm. Um, I, unless we're having a conversation about something that's meaningful to me, hmm. I don't like small talk. So it makes networking for me very hard. So do people kind of take that off as you being like flighty? Yes. Have you been called that? I haven't been called flighty, but I've been called standoffish. Yeah, Um, yeah. A lot of people feel like I don't, I can't connect with them or that I don't have, I don't have interest or I'm unimpressed. My roommate said that to me before. She used to come into my... Unaffected, unbothered, (laughs) flip. Yeah. (laughs) So she used to hate that because she would come and want to talk to me and tell me about her life. Right. And I really just didn't care. And it... <laughs> the, sub, the subtitles here are no fucks. <laughs> I, no fucks given. I, I didn't care. I didn't care about whatever type of bullshit she was going through. Right. And, you know, she would try to tell me about all these great things happening with, like, her family and her life and all this other stuff, which is great. Like, her, her grandfather was, like, a prime minister, which is awesome. I'm glad. She just didn't give a fuck. I really didn't. <laughs> I really didn't care. And she, right. she said to me, like, you're looking at me like you're unimpressed. And the, the problem is, and unfortunately, you all can't see my face. But I I have a very expressive face. So before I even say it out my mouth, you can see it on my face. Right. So she was just looking at me like, you look very um, unimpressed. And I was like, no, no, no. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, sorry. But, you know, outwardly, I'm like, no, no, no. You know, I'm listening to you. And it was really just kind of flying over my head. Like For the the record, I'm the (laughs) same exact way. And then people are just like... Why do you? Why does your face look like that? And I'm just like, like what? Not knowing that everything mm-hmm. I'm thinking is showing, showing up on my, my face. face, so I have yeah. to be real careful with that. Yeah. And, and and being an entrepreneur, you really have to have a poker face when mm-hmm. it comes to certain things, right? right? 
And I know my experience is just like, I've always just been, I either tell the truth or I don't talk to you. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to kind of find that middle, I can't, you know, like Mm to... So, so I, I mean, I've met with entrepreneurs who are just like, yo, whatever I need to do to get the deal or to get this or to get that. And I'm just like, how do you do Like, that's a skill that, set. That is a skill set because I've walked away from money. Actually, I've walked away from money twice this year. <laughs> a lot of money? Uh, but money. It's money, It's though. money. It's money. And that's, right. and that's huge because my integrity does not allow me to say, I'm just going to take your money and do a half-assed job mm-hmm. and keep it pushing. Like, I can't. I can't do that. Right. Me, it's very important for me to build a company that has some sort of value and has a sort of integrity because I don't want people to think that they can come and flash a couple of dollars in my face and get me to do some shit that I don't do mm-hmm. or get me to invest in something that doesn't align with my business goals. Well, that's where we differ because if you flash enough money in front of me, I might. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't want anybody listening to think that you know I'm, they couldn't I'm, throw a million dollars in my face and I just take something off. What? I'll give you a, <laughs> a decent proposal. I'll give you a perfect example. Right. New Year's Eve, my ex called me. Mm. I hadn't spoken. I hadn't, at that time I hadn't spoken to him in like three four months. My ex calls me and is like, I finished the book that I was talking to you about that we were supposed to write together. Lies. Anyway, he calls me and says, mm. I want you to be my editor. So based on the type of package that he would have gotten. For the book, that was eleven hundred dollars. It didn't sit well with me. Mm. It didn't sit well with me because he was willing to close out, like literally pay however much my open projects were, pay me off, so he can have me all to himself to focus on his project. Lies, nah, I'm good. Wow, you're not about to do that. Yo, and you know, I mean, $1,100 isn't a lot, but it's a lot. It's a lot. It's For somebody who's a, a solopreneur, right. like that's significant. It's just a, it is a significant amount of money, but I had to walk away from that. So, I mean, despite all of that, in terms of, you know, your connectivity issues, and I'm only saying issues because that's the only word that's coming to my head. How do you navigate that now? Like, how do you, how do you either, you, you know, get comfortable enough with it so you are aware and you just kind of think past it or, you know, like what, what's your strategy for becoming ses- successful despite not being able to connect? Um, well, if I'm working, if I'm going to connect with a potential client, I ask qualifying questions. So I have to ask a series of questions because I need to know where they are and their project goals, but I also need to know if their project goals are going to align with my business. Mm. So before we even start talking about what I really can do for you, it's really what what do they want or what they're looking for. Right. So if I have an idea of what they're looking for and if that's a service that I provide, then we can move forward and then I can start talking about how I can help in their situation. Um, but if it doesn't align with me, then I can refer you to someone that I know mm-hmm. because I'm not, I'm not that type of a person. There's money to be had anywhere. So I'm not going to cut anyone else's throat who I know would be perfect for, um, taking on a specific project just because I want to have all the money to myself because that's not going to help me out in the long run. Right. Um, cause your reputation's on the line, right? right? Your reputation. And that's another reason why I had to walk away. I had a client that was plagiarizing, 
their novel and I can't I don't want me to be as my mother would say winning my NAACP image award and then all of a sudden I'm getting all this press and paparazzi and then it, the it, inquirer pulls up my name and says oh she edited a book that was plagiarized you ain't about to knock my, my shine down uh-uh. you'd be surprised how many entrepreneurs business owners businesses like big businesses do that I mean we we <laughs> We don't have to go back to 2008, 2009, the whole financial crisis or what have you. But, I mean, that's some serious stuff. And it, it happens. I mean, obviously that level was a high level and it affected a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I've seen it every day where it's, it's cutthroat out there being an entrepreneur. It, it like, it's, it's not. It is cutthroat because people feel like it's uh, it's kind of like sometimes entrepreneurs have this crabs in a barrel mentality. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's not because... Everybody adds something different to what they do. Everyone has a niche market. And it's it's like Pepsi and Coke. It's the same shit. Hashtag Team Pepsi. <laughs> it's the same shit. Mm-mm. But it's an acquired taste. Some people can taste the difference between the Coke and Pepsi. I can. So you, you, you have people who have an acquired taste for Coke and you have people who have an acquired taste for Pepsi. Mm-hmm. That's how the entrepreneur world should be. Right. Cool. So let, let me ask you something because this is kind of, I'm sorry to cut you off. This is kind of burning question. <laughs> so, you know, people who listen to our podcast, um, if you haven't picked up on it already, we're entrepreneurs of color. Yes. <laughs> Do you find that connecting with other entrepreneurs of color, <clears throat> hashtag black people, um, <laughs> or Hispanic people, hashtag mm-hmm. Hispanic people, um, shout out to the Boricuas. <laughs> Do you find it's harder, easier, the same? Sometimes... Sometimes it might be difficult, um, and and it's unfortunate that um, people of color, in general, have a crabs in a barrel mentality where we feel like we need to step on each other in order to um, to elevate ourselves to be successful. The, and it and it's sad, and mm-hmm. it's not everybody, but it's a nice collective few. So um, I was at a networking event a couple of weeks ago, and I was able, and it were, it was all people of color, and we were able to network in, and you know connect with one another I did I think I did a lot more coaching which is why I just started doing the creative coach thing I think I did more coaching than I did networking but um that was great to be around like-minded individuals who who all had a same had similar goals and it wasn't um someone trying to get information out of you so that they can take it and then try to incorporate it into what they do everyone Mm. was very clear about where they were with their specific businesses and what type of specific goals that they wanted to achieve. No one was trying to take a little piece of this here and there and then try to slap it into what they do and say, okay, now I do everything. Right. It wasn't like that. So it was like different uh, entrepreneurs working together towards a maybe similar goal, Mm -hmm. but no one's trying to undercut everyone. Right. No, it was no undermining or anything like that. Here's a burning one. What about um, connecting with other women entrepreneurs? I mean, there's definitely a surgence of mm-hmm. black women. Uh, I want to say self-help groups, but that's probably not the right word. But, you know, you, you've got all these Instagram mm-hmm. um, moguls, if you will. Right, right. Who, who you know, boss babes, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they're necessarily catering specifically towards black women. But no. you get the, but you get yes, the idea, I get the right? I what you're saying, yes. So, I mean, how has your experience been with connecting with other female women entrepreneurs? I think it's just more of a, a discernment thing. So you have some, you're able, I'm able to connect with some other female entrepreneurs or 
black female entrepreneurs and it's great we are able to establish some type of a partnership some type of rapport with one another i refer business to you you refer business to me and it's cool and then there's some that are like oh mm. and they give you shade and they're like oh well i I do this, and I have this many clients, and I bring in this much money. That's great. I Can we talk know. about what shade is for our viewers who may not know what shades are, or or even the receipts? Because I remember you oh, and I had that whole oh, conversation about you know you got to have receipts, receipts. and can can we break down shade and receipts? And actually, I want to say my somebody asked me, one of my white colleagues asked me like what shade was, and I'm just like, oh lord, I had to kind of <laughs> dig deep in myself and say, well, what the hell is shade? Right? Like, how do you? Because I know shade when I see it. Mm-hmm. Or hear it or mm-hmm. feel it, but like to 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 vocalize it yeah. in a, a Meridian Webster <laughs> type. And I know I said that wrong. Y'all don't know me. Don't judge me. <laughs> so what does that shade look like? Um, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it taste like? So shade is is when you are having a conversation with someone and it's supposed to be, it may not be an intellectual conversation, but it can be a conversation in general. Specifically, if we're talking about female entrepreneurs, we're having a conversation. We could be talking about clients. We can be talking about the work that we do. And that person comes back and gives an example that may potentially undermine or condescend what you just said. Mm, now, did y'all hear that? Because she's got the Meridian Webster... <laughs> Whatever I just mispronounced <laughs> that that is shade. Somebody is please shade. hashtag that is shade. That is shade. Anytime someone is being condescending, they're being facetious mm-hmm. intentionally, or they're being arrogant to whatever you are doing or whatever you're trying to say, mm-hmm. and they do it in a joking manner. That is shade. That is shade. Palm tree shade. Yes, big palm trees. <laughs> I've been Jamaican <laughs> coconut having palm, palm, tree. palm trees. Um, so yeah, the shade and the receipts, right? Like, and I'll, I'll let you define receipts since that's <laughs> your, your strength and my weakness, but talk about receipts first before I, before I go all up in it. Cause I got something to say. Okay. So here's how I found out about receipts. I was on a Periscope and I'm not going to say whose Periscope I was on because that's shade. Cause we're talking about you. <laughs> that, that would be shade. Um, I was on a Periscope and this person was talking about, Uh, another person who was doing a scope and they were trying to teach someone how to do a Facebook ad, but the Facebook ad was wrong or something to that effect. And this person was saying, see, you can't go on other people's stuff when they don't have receipts. So in that fashion, receipts is uh, something to back up what you've done. Mm -hmm. So if you've paid it for it or you've paid into your work, for example, let's say we're, we're going to keep this in the spending type of thing or whatever. Say you've paid into your work. You've paid into your, you've paid into your projects. You, you've paid as right. far as your blood, sweat, and tears. You've paid into it. And your 10,000 hours. Your, your hours. And now you have receipts. You have something. You have clients. You have a list of clients. You mm-hmm. have a list of um, feedback. You have a list of feedback and um what that show showing pretty much what you've done those yeah. are your receipts and, and not, let me not like let me make it clear Rece- i mean you you as an entrepreneur i mean having receipts isn't the problem it's the shade around the receipts yes gosh darn it mm-hmm. that's for me to say because I, I didn't want to cuss because i've been cussing <laughs> a lot but you know it, it's just the shade around the receipts that i feel like becomes like 
do. Mm-hmm. And, and the crazy thing about it, and it's just my experience. I mean, we can have this dialogue, but like, I don't see a lot of us. And when I say us, I mean, entrepreneurs of color, like second guessing white entrepreneurs work. And that's, and that's the thing and that so kills that's me. That's the receipts I'm talking about. That's it's the just thing like, that kills me. Right, right. Because no shade, <laughs> no shade. No shade. Some of them, not all, some nice little collective have no idea what they're doing. Which means it's a lot. Like, collective is not nice, <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> they, they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And they have this I work social with- media presence and mm-hmm. they... We might be talking about the same person, but we're going to talk about that after the podcast. <laughs> So that we don't exude shade. (laughs) But see, even just doing this is shady. But whatever. Y'all know us. We're good people. Um, No, but yeah, I I agree with you like a thousand and one percent, Siobhan. Like, Mm -hmm. it it becomes tough as an entrepreneur, a black entrepreneur, because you want to say buy black or or do black or Mm -hmm. hashtag black power. What what happened? Black and green and all this but then it becomes a challenge when you just feel like everything you do just gets kind of like examined under, mm-hmm. you know, the ultralight beam. Yes. Hashtag Kanye West. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, I, I feel you. I feel you. I know for me personally, I had to, and I'm just being candid because this is my podcast, but <laughs> recently I'm just kind of taking a step back mm-hmm. from, you know, focusing strictly on black events mm. or black woman events and not because there's they're not value there's right. no value in it there definitely is right um i even i mentor another um entrepreneur i told her i'm like yo go all go to all the events just mm-hmm. don't limit yourself right you know don't limit yourself because if you're if you've got talent mm-hmm. you know in whatever you do your gift is bigger than just the community in which you come from. Absolutely. Your gift is going to serve the world. Absolutely. So don't get caught up in the shade. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm not going to be honest, too. I'm going to be fair. Play devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. It happens in, in other communities, too. Of course too. it does. We just make more light of ours because for some reason we feel the need to uh, romanticize and over-dramatize what we do. Why? I don't know. Absolutely. 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 And I think, um, you know, even, even having this conversation is just really highlighting a problem that exists elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just a special flavor just because of the finesse that we as people of color just bring to the table in Mm -hmm. anything we do in the creative Mm -hmm. and the not so creative, Mm -hmm. like we just have a level of finesse. Um, agreed. But you know, I, I'm 110% about supporting people who do good work and are mm-hmm. good people. Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought up this whole idea of ethics mm-hmm. <laughs> as, it, as it relates to uh, being an entrepreneur because you all are one day. There's yes. going to be somebody who waves some money in front of you. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, and you're going to be hungry Yep. that same day. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to be like, okay, I'm hungry, Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he's dangling all this money in front of me. Exactly what do I do? <laughs> what am I going to do? It's going to happen just like that. And when it happens, you hit me up mm-hmm. at, a, at a new normal. You can hit me up on Twitter. Let me know how that works. So, you know, before I kind of close it off with you, first of all, thank you so much for talking about your oh, story because welcome. this topic, for real, for real, I think I might have to do a part two and do it in like a 
bigger perspective because this idea of connecting to other people mm-hmm. is something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's unfair to think you can't be successful unless you can connect. Mm-hmm. It just means you have to work on it. It does. It does mean you have to work on it, but you also have to find your strengths. So right. I'm an introvert, extrovert. So I like to be alone. Um, I kind of like being in front of the scenes, but I'm really good behind the scenes. And I found that being behind the scenes was my strength. But if I need to be in a social setting, I may need to have a drink. However, once I get my battery revved up, I'm the social butterfly. Put a battery in her back. So that you, it's just more of understanding who you are. Um, from a social perspective and knowing what your strengths are and how you can utilize what people may see as a weakness and elevate it as a strength. Absolutely. So me being aloof, which I can be, Mm -hmm. can be a strength. I've gotten that too, by the way. (laughs) It can be a strength. You can, um, your aloofness can allow you to be so introverted that you create this amazingness this visionary aspect of it most visionaries actually kind of aloof anyway because no one understands who the hell and what we are Mm -hmm. especially when you're creative most creatives are aloof but you can take that aloofness and you can turn it into a strength absolutely absolutely and if you don't believe her you can read about her or you can read her (laughs) works from her aloofness you you got to read gemini moon rising for for a few reasons but i'm just gonna highlight that there's some really big things in that book (laughs) and that's all i'm gonna say so it's available on amazon gemini moon rising a tale of two spirits siobhan l morris thank you so much for being my guest thank you for having me this was so much fun it was we're gonna we're gonna definitely do a part two um growing up with siobhan part two all right i dig it thank you you're welcome thank you